We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. They've been our partner in possible. And they can be for you too. So appreciative of them and all they've done for KC Sports Network. Uh, it's been a lot of fun getting to know them a little bit, doing some stuff with them this this uh, this past weekend with the pregame show. Got to hang out with Craig Stout. Unfortunately, didn't get to hang out with my dear pal. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, how jealous are you of all the photos of me hugging Craig this weekend? Not as jealous as everybody seems to think. I just think your facial expressions are killing me. <laughs> and this is why my warm embrace with Craig is my own special hug with him. It's not yours, Kent. We have our own special hug. Me and the big institution have our own thing. We share a room when we go to Mobile, Alabama. You don't know about that. You're busy sleeping at all hours. I I, I had no lies detected. All right, now that we got that out of the way, how are you guys doing, friends of my fellow undefeated Kansas City Chiefs? (laughs) How are we doing? We are undefeated. We might not lose another game. We are 1-0. Okay, not we. I have nothing to do with the team, guys. But our Kansas City Chiefs are 1-0. And how does that make you feel, Craig? It makes me feel wonderful. Yeah, I got a little tinkle. Like, got a little goosebumps on here. Just a, just a little bit talking about being undefeated. You know, and you and Patrick Mahomes, you got the 20-0 in your mouth right now. And I, and I love it. I really love it. But, yeah, Chiefs won a game. Uh, for those of you who listened uh, earlier this week, we did a post-game show with kind of our instant snap reactions, and it was live. It was cool to interact with all of you, to have all the questions, the comments, everything like that. We are going to do that weekly. Like, that's going to be the thing. So make sure to join us. We'll be your spot for the post-game. If you want to tune in, hang out with us for a little bit, get our snap judgments. But this is typically the podcast after we've had a chance to go back a little bit take a look at the film and kind of evaluate some of that stuff. So we're going to get into a little bit more of the X's and O's than we maybe did in the post game. But before we even do that, the chiefs made some cuts today, Kent. Yes, they did. They had to, they had to get five off the roster uh, mandatory made a, a slew of moves, obviously waved injured were Evan Bayless, uh, who's missed some time. Antonio Callaway also missed some time recently. Uh, straight out waived was Manny Patterson. Released was Chad Williams. A little bit of a surprise. Pour one out for uber athletic, big physical Chad Williams. And Elijah McGuire placed on IR. He's a guy that's kind of stuck around the last couple of years. Um, you know, he's had some injuries here or there. He's been on the practice squad at times. That's probably the most, well, I guess him and Callaway are the two most notable uh, releases, I think, Maddie. But I think Elijah McGuire to me is kind of the big one because if I'm not mistaken, this is not my strong suit with football. So rules, you guys can correct me, but being placed on the IR in the preseason means he can't play for the Chiefs at all this year. Correct. So in the past, McGuire has been a guy that they've kind of at least last year liked to keep on the practice squad because they can then bring him up if there's an injury. He's a guy that knows the system. They clearly like him enough on some level to keep him around. So seeing him get placed on the IR at this point in time was kind of surprising. They essentially are saying, hey, we don't have any use for you whatsoever is essentially what this is being said to me. So that one's the one that really caught me off guard because I thought he was the perfect candidate to be the practice squad running back. The first guy called up when you undoubtedly will get an injury at that position. So that one took me by surprise. Maybe they're planning on, you know, poaching a running back from somebody else that might, they might have some kind of connection with. 
maybe they think a guy like Darwin Thompson could maybe make it to their practice squad and use him in that similar role. I don't know. It's just that one's the one that caught me most off guard. Yeah, me too. Uh, he actually had a catch late in the game. That's where he kind of came up a little injured in that preseason game. I thought he actually looked like he had a little juice. Like uh, there's a couple times that he got the ball in his hands that I thought, oh, Elijah McGuire looks a little salty out there. And then unfortunately has this ankle injury. It, it's too bad because I do like these guys were saying he's hung around long enough. He knows the system. I, I think he's a guy that would have been fun just to have just kind of sitting on the roster. We know the attrition that happens at running back it just throughout the nfl you can never have too many so the fact that he's not going to be around stinks a little bit but i do think that antonio callaway is the big name on here because when the Chiefs signed him this offseason there was some hope that they would be able to rehabilitate him a little bit obviously the physical tools are there he's a gifted athlete he's shown a little bit of an ability to play at the nfl level and contribute at the nfl level just in very small spurts but i do think that they were hoping to get a guy like that be able to transform him have some depth on the roster and be able to grow him as a player a little bit Obviously, he got hurt, and that was kind of the end of all that because he needed the reps in an Andy Reid system. It's too bad. I, I think we all kind of hoped that maybe Antonio Callaway was going to hang around just enough to be able to make some contributions on this team. Well, at least flash some of what we saw his rookie year and over 500 receiving yards his rookie season. And you know, you're kind of hoping maybe he could return to, to the form that he you know kind of had uh early on in his career he's kind of been through a lot there's been some maturity issues he's been through a few organizations um i believe i believe he was a john dorsey pick if i remember correctly and yeah. that makes, makes all the sense. sense that makes all the sense in the world right uh, a guy that was talented then i believe his fourth round um draft range you know some people thought he was a little bit more talented he proved that he was pretty talented uh his rookie year antonio callaway you know I thought there were some moments, even, you know, when we were up in training camp, he made a couple of decent plays. He looked like he belonged to the National Football League, but there's just a long list of kind of mystery around him. Uh, there's just a lot, you know, with with his situation. And, um, you know, he unfortunately got injured and didn't get a chance to prove himself. So he will not be a Kansas City Chief this year. Uh, OK, so, guys, there's a non-zero chance that at some point in the season, there's a, the fr there's a front four of Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, Derek Nottie, Damone Harris. There is a non-zero chance. There is a front four on the field at one time for this football team with those four. All four of them left practice early on Tuesday, Craig. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> you know, Frank Clark uh, had some hamstring hamstring tightness a little bit last week and then comes up with an, a hamstring problem this week. Uh, there are reports that they are going to get an MRI done on it. At this point, just don't play Frank Clark in the preseason. I, I think put him on ice. Like uh, Make sure that he's healthy. Even if he's got a week, miss week one, I'm fine with that at this point. Let, let's just make sure that that man is healthy. We've seen this team have to kind of patchwork together defensive lines because of Frank Clark's health throughout the years. Let's try and get him healthy and have him for the back half of the year there. But missing Jaron Reed and Derek Nottie is a little bit tough here. Colin Saunders, I do feel like, looked a lot better in this preseason week one. I think we all have high expectations for Tershawn Wharton as well. But Jaron Reed, or Jaron Reed and Derek Nadi are your starting interior defensive linemen. And that's scary, missing both of those guys, both of your good interior run stuffers. are that Those are both of them. So they really need to find a way to get healthy somehow. Again, maybe a case of them just being overly cautious with these guys. I hope that's the case. I really hope that this isn't a lingering thing because that could be a problem with the early slate of games, Maddie. Well, and that Frank Clark and then even Derek Nadi, those two ones are concerning for me because I mean, not that they missed this preseason game, but Frank's hamstring clearly just came up recently. Nadi's missed practice off and on throughout this entire training camp with some ankle stuff. Now I believe it's his hip. He's just, he does, hasn't seemed to get out there on the field yet. I'm fine with Derek Nadi missing, you know, some camp time. He knows the system, his role on the team. 
isn't very sexy. He doesn't need a ton of reps to go out there and eat up space. You, he doesn't need a you ton hold of reps. your tongue. <laughs> Have you seen he that does, man on a jet ski? He, I didn't say he wasn't. I said that his role wasn't Kent. So you don't try to put me in that corner. First of all, second of all, I just, the lingering issues for both of those guys actually does concern me a lot, especially with Frank. Frank Clark's been with the Chiefs for three years now. He's undergone a litany of injuries. They're really starting to catch up. You just start to wonder if his play style, the intensity that he's always had, if whatever kind of illness he's been dealing with that's caused him to lose significant weight over this time has messed with his body's ability to recover properly, just how state sturdy he can be because he's had injuries to both elbows. We've had the nerve issues. Now we're having the hamstring. There's a lot of stuff starting to pack onto his body. This is a guy that maybe this is a sign of things like you. How do you trust him if you're the chief to bring him back, to extend him, to keep paying him a ton of money year after year? If you can't trust him to stay healthy, I know it's just preseason, but that one kind of worries me. But I have a question for Kent. Demoni Harris, how confident are you that he makes this team just based on everything we've seen so far? Ooh. So... Hmm. The, I I think you know because of some of the situations with the defensive end position, maybe maybe a guy has to start on IR earlier a little bit or something like that. We'll see. I don't. I'm, I'm not projecting that. There's a. I don't think there's a. a it's a non-zero chance that he makes this this team. Uh, I know Tim Ward got a lot of love in with a couple sacks here during this game, but I actually think Demoni played decently this last week and actually was getting some. I think more opportunities with some of the, you know, a- actual roster, rosterable players. I mean, Demoni Harris was in there pretty early. I know Josh Kendo got a little run too, but I believe Demoni Harris got some run relatively early too. So I think if, you know, I, I know I know Tim Ward made a couple splashy plays, but Demoni Harris might be the one that's actually got a shot at making this team. And, you know, I wouldn't be stunned if if he winds up making it. Um, it'll, it'll be fascinating. He's he's right on the fringe. Like him and Tim Ward are probably, you know, they're right there on the fringe. I would take Tim personally. I, I I think I would, and that's and that's not to a slight against Demoni. Demoni's been around for a long time. He knows the system. Spagnuolo knows that he can trust him to go out there and play at, at the level that he knows that Demoni can play and be in the right spot. You know that that is a valuable thing, especially as a depth piece. But I'd personally go with Tim because I do think the ceiling's a little bit higher. Um, obviously, you know, they've got Josh Kane though, that they're just trying to buy some time until he can learn the system and translate those athletic, uh, you know, traits to the field. But Tim Ward, I liked what I saw. I like that length. I like that power. I liked a little bit of bend that we saw out of him. It was, it wasn't incredibly rigid. So I, I don't know me personally, I get why Demoni Harris makes this team. I really do. But I, I really, I, I kind of dug Tim Ward this week. Yeah, I, I will say out of all I, I will say but, real quick, sorry. I, I had neither Tim Ward or Demoni Harris on the roster. It's gonna right. I do think it's gonna take somebody getting hurt for one of these guys to wind up making this team with Alex Okafor in the mix. I don't think I don't think either of these guys has overtaken uh, uh, an Alex Okafor, a guy that is trusted. I mean, like I mean, he's at least been in this system a couple years. Sure. I would bet on Alex Okafor making this team over both of these guys. That's why I say non-zero chance, but I, I don't know. Yeah, and listen, and this me, is, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going for out of the defensive linemen. I thought the Chiefs defensive line unit played great this past week. I wrote mm-hmm. about it. Like I thought they were excellent. I would have had Austin Edwards and Demoni Harris as my last two guys from that game. Like I thought mm. both of them were the two least impressive. But what Demoni Harris brings that I did see, they did move him inside sometimes. So he did actually play a little bit on the inside. He gives you another guy that plays D end and D tackle. And if you're looking at moving Chris around, especially if the defensive end room is kind of thin, if you're having injuries to Derek Nottie, maybe even Jaron Reed, he just gives you a little bit more flexibility. And so I can see it from that side, but I think I would side with Craig, Tim Ward. I would choose 10 out of 10 times if I was making the decision over Demoni Harris, just because I do think, his improvement from last year to this year, just as a pass rusher, he looked night and day better. I really like that development. So I would 100% rely on that over what Harris has been, but he knows the system. That flexibility does matter for Steve Spagnuolo. Now, before we move off a defensive end here, I just want to posit this little theory. If Taco Charlton oh. can't get on the field. Does Tim Ward or Demoni Harris make it over him? We know what Taco is. <laughs> I mean, we know that he can bring production, especially in the dime. That is extremely valuable. 
in this group. But Damone Harris and Tim Ward can probably play all three downs for this team. And we know how Spagnuolo likes guys that can play all three downs for this team. Well, under that impression, if you're losing Taco, give me Tim Ward even more so, just because I think there's a higher pass rushing ceiling. If you were losing a guy that's probably going to play on more three downs, you know, if Frank Clark is out for the year for whatever reason, God forbid, knock on wood, mm-hmm. that happens, Demoni Harris may make a little bit more sense because I do think he's a little bit more sound. He's a little bit more ready to play all three downs right now than Tim Ward. But I think Tim Ward, if he continues the way he played against the 49ers, he might be inserting his cap into that designated pass rusher kind of competition that one of those defensive end spots to actually make the roster. Uh, It'll be fascinating to see where Tim Ward gets his reps this next game. Does he kind of get some more opportunities early on? Does he actually get some looks with the ones, with the twos? You know, he kind of, I think he kind of, you know, came on a little bit later in the game than uh, some of the guys we're talking about here. So that's something I think is worth watching is if, after a productive performance against the Niners, do, does he get a bump up in opportunities? Does he get some chances to mix in uh, as part of the real rotation? Taco Charlton, I think, has a long leash um, because he's coming back from his injury. I think they might be a little bit more patient with him. Uh, so I think it'll be a hard to unseat him from this active roster. I really do. Um, I'm just saying Taco Charlton was inactive week one of last year. Healthy scratch. A good point. It's a good point, man. It's a very good point. It's worth watching. It's something he apparently flashed at practice today at camp. He had an interception that would have returned for a touchdown or something. I I fully believe that Taco Charlton should make this roster and probably is one of your dime rushers. Don't get me wrong, but just it's an interesting conversation worth having there. All right, guys. So had a little bit of time to watch a little bit more of this game. Got some more looks um, other than our instant reactions where you're watching it one time and that's about it. So let's just go around and maybe talk about some things that we noticed from this game. Maddie, why don't you kick us off with some with something? I think I have to start out going back to the offensive line, but I'm not going to go to your starting unit. No, I'm going to Prince Tega Wanago. I think he's a guy that we all really liked. We had a second round grade on him in the KC draft guide when he was coming out of Auburn. He's a guy that went to Philadelphia Eagles as a day three pick because of some injuries. He ended up getting released. The Chiefs signed him. He was playing as the second string left tackle. I got to say, I really liked what I saw from him. His feet are very active. You can see that he's just a natural athlete that's still trying to work on his timing and all of his technique, but he has all the raw tools. I really think that he could be one of your lead candidates for a pure backup offensive tackle spot. It looks like he's competing with Mike Rimmers for that first backup offensive tackle, but I thought he looked better than Andrew Wiley, who is playing right tackle with the same unit with him. He even had probably my highlight of the week. Everybody wants to talk about Trey Smith from this game or Creed Humphrey, who were really good. They were, don't get me wrong. But Prince Teguanagu came out on an inside zone in the second quarter. He served a pancake to this poor defensive tackle. He then went on to the second level and was looking for another person to serve a big hit to, a linebacker. He just came off that line serving up pancakes left and right, Craig, and I know that has your attention. Yeah, it has my attention. You know, we love good service, just like our good pals at Macadoodles. Love good service. McAdoodles is your spot to go to get your liquor, to get your beer, to get your wine, everything that you are looking for for your alcohol needs. McAdoodles has it, and they have it as a good price, and they will deliver it with terrific service. They will carry it out to your car and load it up for you, provide for you the way that Prince Tegan Winogo provided that pancake for the Chiefs offensive line. We need one in Kansas City, just like Prince Tega is here in Kansas City. Don't sleep on McAdoodles, just like we shouldn't be sleeping on Prince Tega Winogo. Get it to Kansas City. Get a hold of Roger at info at macadoodles.com to get a Macadoodles in Kansas City or wherever your neck of the woods is. I loved Prince Tiga's game. I, I did really too. Did. I did I too. Re- I his yeah. whole camp. I think it's I think he's had a good camp. You know, I think when we were there, you know, the, the movement skills were very obvious. And he does look different than some of the guys out there. He really does. And I think that's why we were so high on him. And I know. Um, you know, there's a lot of raw tools there to work with. It's never been about the raw tools. It's always been about the health. And that's the big question for him. That's why he fell in the draft, uh, you know, a couple years ago. 
That's why he was on the Chiefs practice squad last year. It's going to be interesting to see the Chiefs, uh, a team coming off of, you know, a team that that just lost a ton of, of, of offensive linemen throughout the course of the year and overcorrected, I'm sorry, aggressively corrected their situation to try to fix this offensive line, make sure that they had, you know, some really strong insulated depth so that, you know, if something happens along their offensive line, they're better prepared for, you know, some injuries uh, this last year. So what do they do? Are they going to take a risk on a guy like Prince Tigo Inogo, put him on the 53-man roster? Is this a guy that, you know, we all love the talent? I think the Chiefs love the talent. I mean, Brett Veach probably can't help himself with, you know, the talent. It's just a matter of if they believe that he can be reliable for the course of the season. So one of the most important things is if he's just out there consistently every day, at practice, if he's not missing any time the rest of training camp, that's a big sign for him. And maybe they feel a little bit more comfortable betting on the raw physical tools of a guy that we're all excited about um, physically. It, yeah, yeah, it shows up when you watch it too. Like, oh yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to know offensive line to know who Prince Tigue is. He he flashes with that second team. So I mean, I, comparing him to the, the first team tackles. He flashed. Just compare his movement yeah. to Orlando Brown, Lucas Niang, yeah. Andrew Wiley, Mike Rimmers when he comes up. There's a very clear best athlete of the offensive tackle room. Doesn't make him the best player. I just want to say, like, mm. there's a very clear best athlete of that room. Uh, yes, I I totally agree. Totally agree. And man, it's going to be interesting. I'm I, I love the player. I think we all love the player. It's just, yeah. what do you do with a guy? He's such a curious case. And uh, and he plays one spot. That's the other part. I think spot. they were working him at right tackle. I early think he in camp. got a little bit of work at right tackle in camp. Uh, that is that is helpful, but it does seem like Mike Rimmers, Andrew yeah. Wiley, you know, the, yeah, these guys play lots of different spots. They can play all of them. Quit, quit creeping into my, you know, next preseason things oh, to sorry, watch list. Sorry. But, uh, you know, where Prince plays with Mike Rimmers and Andrew Wiley might have been something on there. Because, you know, I wouldn't hate seeing the offensive line have, the second team have, Prince with Allegretti next to him, Austin Blythe at center, put Wiley back at right guard and Mike Rivers at right tackle. Give me that second team offensive line. If I were to predict something up here, just based on how guys have played, but you know, we're way too early for this. Just, you know, Craig's trying to come in here and leak all my, all my next (laughs) article ideas. I love it. All right. Give me, uh, give me something that you, uh, that you were, you know, kind of noticing in the rewatch, Craig. Um, what I was noticing in the rewatch a little bit, um, the linebackers, uh, we've talked a little bit, uh, an immediate reaction of Anthony Hitchens. Uh, when you turned on the tape, it was even better. It really, really was. I, I, Anthony Hitchens made a bunch of plays that we haven't seen Anthony Hitchens make yeah. in a cheap uniform. Like we, we really haven't that, that jet sweep to Brandon Ayuk where he chased it down. I didn't realize how flat the angle to the sideline was typically Anthony Hitchens and lots of linebackers not trying to just dunk on him have to adjust that angle because it's a faster player in space as you're running to the sideline he's coming from the mic and he took the correct angle and was able to meet him at exactly the spot that's phenomenal it really is phenomenal that would go that would go so far this season for the defense if they have a Mike linebacker that just has this much more range to him. And I I felt like he had a little more wiggle, slipping blocks, able to dip under guys, knife into the backfield, make a few more negative plays or force some cutbacks. I was really impressed by Hitchens. Conversely, our guy Nick Bolton needs a little work in coverage. Um, <laughs> not, I, just, I, I actually, just the, not just from the clips today on social no, media. No, no. No, we're not just talking one-on-ones. He had a play where there was a play-action pass where he completely flipped around, turned his back to the quarterback, turned his back to the receiver in the flat, and just sprinted into the secondary, completely ignoring the guy behind him. Luckily, you know, the quarterback didn't see him underneath there, so it didn't end up hurting the Chiefs on that particular play. But he just needs a little more work, a little more development. We knew that to be the case. What I did kind of like about Nick Bolton, his ability to come off the edge and stack 
some blockers, stack fullbacks, stack tight ends. Now, I want to see a little more power. I want to see him be able to squeeze some of those gaps a little bit more or shed that blocker and be able to make a play. But I did like that when he was engaging these guys with a full head of steam, he was able to stonewall them. And he didn't lose ground. It ended up being, you know, kind of a, a neutral play, but it, it's good because he can set the edge that way. He's just that close to being able to really make some splash plays in the base defense as a Sam linebacker if he could shed those blocks, if he can squeeze those interior gaps. So I did like seeing that out of him. I'm looking forward to seeing that a little bit more, especially paired next to a guy like Willie Gay. And ooh, I'm real. We'll get into that later this week, but I'm I'm really excited. I thought Ben Neiman looked all right as well. I mean, he's clearly bigger this year than he has mm -hmm. been in the past. And I think there was a couple points of contact with that extra size did show up. He was not getting tossed around by Teddy Bridgewater on the field this time. So that was good. That's see, like he clearly added some weight. He took that to heart and he came out there. He did it. Nothing he did made me think that he should hold off Willie Gay or anybody else from, you know, competing for that job. No. But I did like seeing that he's been working on clearly one of his big weaknesses is kind of like Anthony Hitchens. And like just going back to Hitchens, one thing I did notice about, there's a lot more range in his game. He looks quicker. He looks faster. Why is he not getting any time as a dime linebacker <laughs> in this game? I don't get it. He clearly knows the defense. So if he's moving better out there, why is he not getting a chance? I get it. It should be Willie Get. But if it's not, why is it not the faster Anthony Hitchens? That really bugs me, not from a him perspective, just like that really bugs me why Anthony Hitchens isn't getting a shot if we get the guy that we saw in this preseason game. Now, I said before this, though, about the preseason, it's very basic. I do think Kyle mm -hmm. Shanahan threw a couple wrinkles in there, but it was still pretty basic. Anthony Hitchens, a veteran, he knows how to read this, you know, milk toast stuff. He was playing really fast physically, but also mentally. There's a couple plays where he's got yes. two steps into the rep before Nick Bolton's feet have moved. And while that's a little bit of a compliment to Hitchens, it's also a little bit of a knock on Bolton at the same time. But like Hitchens is clearly moving faster than a lot of other guys mentally at this point. So part of his play, I do think, was that. But, but Craig said that angle he took, his body control was significantly better. Hopefully Anthony Hitchens is on his way to having another back, you know, his second career year with Ooh. the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, we talked, you know, a little bit earlier this offseason. This is, you know, kind of a contract year in some ways for Anthony Hitchens because the Chiefs can move on from him pretty easily next year. And the Chiefs have made some significant investments at the linebacker position to, I mean, more or less move on from Anthony Hitchens. I don't think you can read that any other way as much as this team has invested at the linebacker position. So Anthony Hitchens, what does he do? Comes in lighter weight, ready to go. Um, and, and looks, you know, he's looked, I mean, he's looked good in camp. Uh, he's looked, uh, he's looked good in this game. I was really encouraged by this. And if there's just a lot of competition at this position, you know, at the linebacker spot that could breed success, because I think this has been a, a weak spot on this defense the last couple of years. And if you can get more out of this position at that second level of this defense, that's massive. That's big for this football team. And, um, I think it's super important, you know, to, you know, for this group to, to take steps, more one thing on you know on on Nick Bolton, um, I think you know like yeah he he didn't always read things well, but he like he was wrong fast at times too, you know yeah. like he may, you know and I think you know one thing I like about him is he plays hard and so like you know it, he took on a fullback you know he played hard he, he take on a fullback at full speed struggled to dis disengage, but. At least, you know, at least he's at least he's going hard. And, you know, I think some plays, you know, chasing from the backside, he made a, a play or two. Um, I think he made a play in between the tackles and he was willing to, you know, at least stick his nose in there. So those are those are positives for him. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, I think you just kind of I think I think you just got to have expectations for what Nick Bolton is. And um well, I, I had know. to write down that Kent gave him a compliment for the first time. That's what That's I was doing there, guys. True. I That's was writing not down. True. I had to document that Kent said he tries hard as the compliment that Kent gave him. Wow. I have never. I, I have thought never you were just taking notes. I thought you were taking notes too, Maddie. No, no. I just had. I had to document the first positive thing you said about Anthony Hitchens. That, that, or not Anthony Hitchens, but Nick Bolton. That is just. I, know, Anthony, I have. Really. I have not questioned that man's football character. I know he plays hard. I know he makes yeah. plays behind the line of scrimmage in the run game. But I he think does. the coverage skills are showing up. 
his ability and struggles to change direction to turn and run are pretty apparent. He is what he is, but there is a role for him on this football team. And I think we're starting to see that. And that's the good stuff. That's yeah. what I like to see. I'm encouraged by what his role in year one could be and paired with a group that is improving. Willie Gay looks great. Anthony Hitchens look, looks great paired with, with, with Willie Gay or with Nick Bolton. That's a, you know, there's, there's some interesting storylines there uh, in that linebacking group. I so, got number two, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We had a docu-series uh, on Netflix in four years. I want to talk about something that got me really excited. And we kind of talked a little bit about it in the post game, but we didn't, we, I don't want to say we glossed over it. We just didn't spend a ton of time on it. Jarek McKinnon, I think made this football team last night. Uh, or on, oh, I thought uh, you were going to talk Friday. about Shane Michelle. No, there, no, there's no <laughs> chance. Um, look, Jarek McKinnon, we talked a lot this off season about, you know, special teams is, a, is important for him because if you're a third running back on a roster, special teams has got to play a big role in how you get on the field, how you have value uh, to this football team. But man, Jarek McKinnon, he showed a willingness to play special teams and he did pretty good. He made a really big play on punt. Um, but I mean, on top of that, he showed juice. He showed some juice as a runner. He showed some juice as a receiver. He's, he's shown some juice, you know, during this process. And I think you got to be really encouraged by that. You know, there's enough there. You know, there's there's some capable ability as a pass protector. There's still some explosive explosiveness to him as a runner, as a receiver. And if he's willing to be a, a special teams player, Maddie, I think I. Well, I'll, I'll add this: he didn't get a stupid penalty either. Okay. I'm just that's not stuff that helps you make a football team. It's not dumb boneheaded penalties don't help you make a football team. So he didn't make that. And he did a lot on offense and special teams to, to be encouraged about his outlook. I think, I honestly think he's a lock now for this team. I think we are trending that direction already, but yeah, I think this game not, like, not cemented it because there's a lot more that goes on the, in the chiefs facilities than ever happens in a preseason <laughs> game. But what we did see is a couple things that really stood out to me. One, he is willing to play special teams. He was playing the personal protector role. Very important piece of yeah. coverage right there. Now it wasn't with the I don't I didn't go back and check if it was with the first team too, but he was doing it. So you know he's willing to. He went down and made a play, and he actually did a really good job tracking the ball, timing his hit. So that was huge. That's big for a third running back making the roster. He showed really good hands, but I think the second most important thing, he looked fast again. It's been a couple of years since Jarek McKinnon looked fast. Now. He was playing against mostly third stringers at this point in time, but he outran a couple angles that Jarek McKinnon of last year or when he was battling injuries couldn't have done. He, I'm not saying he's as fast as he was in Minnesota, but he looked fast enough to break some angles again to be a little bit of a home run threat. That's what the Chiefs really do need in that running back room. I would be absolutely mind blown if he does not make this roster at this point. Jarek McKinnon, let's, let's walk through this. For those unaware, 2016, Jarek McKinnon, Kind of took over for Adrian Peterson a little bit. Went into 2017 looking for a timeshare with Adrian Peterson, and he tore his ACL. Or not Adrian Peterson, Dalvin Cook. Tore his ACL. 2018, he goes to the 49ers. He tears his ACL again. 2019, he has a setback with that knee injury and doesn't play. 2020 is the first year that he's been able to play football again. Like, here he wasn't really able to get back into football shape. He's still rehabbing, getting himself back on his feet after two years of knee injuries. So I think it's very difficult to take what we saw last year and say, okay, that's the player he was. I, I'm more in line with, yes, it was against third stringers, but I'm more in line with this is who he is. This guy has juice. Like we've talked about, he's a home run hitter. He, he knows how to pass protect and has just an innate feel for that. We saw that in training camp. We've seen it a little bit in some of the preseason game. So I, I think that that is a massive positive. And then, yes, the special teams. Getting out there, playing special teams as the third running back, as a veteran, a longtime veteran at this point, as a veteran that is super important. And Dave Tobe has said that he likes what he's seeing out of him. Dave Tobe likes those quick guys. 
they, they can they can get down the field. Jared McKinnon is definitely that. I think you know those first two spots are pretty well locked down. I think Jarek McKinnon doing all of those things and looking a little bit more like his former self might even without any dumb penalties or anything like that might have leapfrogged and gone into that third position on its own. All right, Craig, you had an idea to close this thing out. Why don't you tell us what we're up to to close this thing out? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick a position here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about a starter because it's my little game of my thing. <laughs> so I get to do that. And I'm going to toss it to Kent. And Kent is going to talk about a guy that is a rotational player a guy that maybe is in the mix a little bit and what he felt like he saw in the preseason. And then Maddie gets the short stick here and he's going to talk about a guy that's maybe for towards the bottom of the roster a little bit. And we're trying to avoid some of these guys that we've spent all off season talking about because there are 90 people, well now 85 people on this roster. So I, I do think that a little too often we miss talking about some of these guys. So I'm actually going to start here and I'm going to start along the defensive line and I'm going to start on the interior with Jaron Reed and how I thought he played in the preseason. Um, I'm going to be real. I thought that Jaron Reed could have played a better game. Uh, I, I think that he's still learning Spagnuolo's scheme. There's a lot of times that Anthony Hitchens had to do a lot of extra adjusting with him and Nick Bolton. And it's understandable, you know, for both of those guys. It's year one in the system here. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to say anything bad about him. But a lot of motions and stuff like that. Kyle Shanahan was motioning the tight end across or having some orbit motions and things like that, that would have changed the formation. And the way that Steve Spagnuolo does that is he makes an initial shift. He doesn't shift back typically and you know it depends on the the team but he doesn't typically shift back jaron reed kept trying to shift back they had to move him around a little bit he looked like he was struggling to understand exactly which gap it was next to colin saunders next to mike dana these guys that we know know the system because they've been in there for two years so i do think that we are in line to see a much better version of Jaron Reed coming up here. But I do want to see, you know, a little bit more grasp of it. Could have just been, you know, first game back, you know, that's all it could be. And it could just be the preseason, but I was kind of expecting a little bit more out of Jaron Reed. We know he's a much better than we saw in this preseason game. So looking forward to week two, three and into the season because we know he's an impact player. Craig, 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 Craig. I'm so glad that you decided to talk about the interior defensive line because that means I get to talk about Tershawn Wharton, a rotational interior defensive lineman who is having an outstanding camp and has shown the exact same physical traits and elite effort that we saw last year and has gotten better during the offseason, had an outstanding start to his preseason, showing that elite quickness, that exceptional motor. And you know what? You're never going to confuse him for Derek Nottie ever. But I actually think he held up a couple times a little bit better against the run than we even saw last year. I think he's playing better. I think he's getting better. You know, he's starting to understand utilization of his hands even more. And the, the reward, I mean, we're going to we're gonna be rewarded with a really fun rotational defensive lineman for the next few years. This is why you invest in lottery tickets, and the Chiefs nailed this one. I love watching Tershawn Wharton play. He's a fun rotational piece on this football team. Well, Tershawn Wharton had a fun uh, reps in camp that I saw just from this last practice. He went up against Trey Smith, and I was about to tweet out, oh, wow, this looks like an adult blocking a kid was like after the first rep because he just got completely controlled and bodied. Mm -hmm. Very next rep, he hit Trey Smith with a push-pull that almost pulled Trey Smith onto his face. And I was like, oh, last year, Tershawn Wharton is not push-pulling a single soul, uh -uh. let alone somebody that strong. So yeah, he definitely showed up a lot better. But you know who else is kind of a newcomer to Kansas City? Not as, you know, he's newer than Tershawn Wharton, but he's very, had a very good game. Tyler Clark, I, he's out of Georgia. He came back, you know, from a knee injury, went over to... <laughs> You can put that sign away right now, Kim. We're not doing another one. He came back. He's with the Chiefs now. He's number 93 for those of you who don't know out there, but he played on the interior. He's not explosive, 
He's not probably as stout as a Derek Nottie or a Jared Reed, but he comes out there and he gives a lot of effort. And I think what I really like about him is he's really slippery. For a guy that's six foot three, 300 plus pounds, he's really hard to stay attached to. He's not going to blow off too many guys off the line of scrimmage with his speed, with his strength, but he just does a really good job not allowing blockers to stay attached to him. And that allows him to make a lot of plays in the run game. It gives him the ability to impact the quarterback as a rusher, even if he's not getting there quickly. So I think Tyler Park's doing a good job of kind of pushing for this last offensive tackle spot if the Chiefs do decide to keep five guys that are dedicated on the interior. Yeah, I, I was really impressed by Tyler Clark. To be honest, I, I, I really was I, there when you get to the end of the game, you know, you're just kind of looking for glimpses, you know, you, some stuff that uh, that you can kind of hang on a little bit. But I really, I really, really, really did like what he was able to do there. Like, I, I, I felt like he was giving, you know, we continued the, the standard of unblockable defensive linemen throughout all the way into the fourth quarter with the Chiefs bottom of the roster there. Tyler Clark was a little bit of a problem, lived in the backfield a little bit more, even though he's not, you know, again, particularly explosive. So I just really think he might be a guy that he might not make the roster, but he might be a practice squad guy that hangs around and we might be talking about him a lot more, maybe next year when they've got a few more open spots on this defensive line, put a little more weight on him, get him in the system a little bit more, but some, some good positive things to start out of him. You know, there was zero chance. I was going to let us finish the show talking defense. I mean, ah. come on. So let's talk, let's do the same thing for the offensive side in of the ball. recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, you do have control of that. Um, let's go ahead and just talk about the receiver position a little bit. And uh, I think, you know, let's talk a little bit about McCall Hardman, uh, a projected starter for this team. You know, here's the thing with McColl, and there's been some very obvious explosive plays down the field during training camp that you've seen, but it's a lot of the same that we've seen from him. It's a lot of running through zone. It's a lot of beating defenses over the top with this exceptional speed. And there's a ton of value in that, but when teams are really focusing on taking that away, it's everything else that he's got to do to, to find success. And I don't want to make too much of one target in the preseason. You don't want to get too, you know, bent out of shape about it. But at the same time, I think, you know, McCole Hardman struggling to get clean, struggling to get his hands through, locate the football, catch the football, not a great look in traffic. And these are the kind of things that he's got to do and he's got to take a next step um, you know, to try to, you know, beat, you know, players physical at the line of scrimmage, um, get clean. Um, and, and that hasn't happened a lot. And you not just and there's some clips, you know, there with, you know, him trying to, you know, beat press. It's continuing to be a struggle. And the Chiefs are going to have to be really mindful if they're going to utilize McCole Hardman in a lot more ways this year. They're going to have to be mindful, I think, of trying to get him free releases and, you know, trying to protect him a little bit off the line of scrimmage in stack looks um in bunch looks you know get him off the line of scrimmage so he's got a little bit more wiggle room against some of these corners i think you know the early signs i see a lot of the same from him there's some there's some positive indicators i don't want to say the man hasn't been working he did a good job working back to the football i saw a little bit um in some one-on-ones that you know maybe he wasn't as good about in this first couple years here in kansas city but um I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how big of a role McCole Hardman really has compared to previous years and if he's ready for it, frankly. So if we're looking for a guy that's a rotational wide receiver that kind of showed up, you don't really have many guys that did much in this game. Just the receivers weren't throwing the ball a lot. So I think I kind of have to go with Byron Pringle by default because he can catch a football. That was something that not a lot of guys on the field Saturday could really pull off. It seemed like that. And he played hard. Like he went out there and he did play hard. When he was blocking, he was getting after it. He ran his ha- his routes at 100%. Like I think Byron Pringle did exactly what you would expect Byron Pringle, that kind of player, to do in this preseason game. So not, his stock's not necessarily up from it, but he did the most with what he was given. Do you have a guy that's on the fringe of making the roster, Craig? Yeah, I do. I, I think there's really only one choice here. Um, Doris Fountain. Um, I, I, I do think that I, I could have talked about Cornell Powell not playing into the fourth quarter. Um, I'm going to try not to read too much into that until we get through the preseason here. Doris Fountain got himself a lot 
of uh, a lot of targets. Uh, he actually set career season highs. If you projected, you know, he took this game for his season highs, you know, for his <laughs> career so far. But no, he hauled in a lot of stuff. I, I think he he showed that he was strong at the catch point, made a lot of contested catches, looked pretty good going up and snatching the ball down. Uh, obviously, a relied upon you know target for the third and fourth string quarterbacks there showed an ability to make a few things happen when things weren't really happening for that group i still don't know that he's gonna crack this lineup i just i it's going to be tough with the number of guys that they have i think that you would be you know cutting somebody that i think we all think is going to be either a major contributor or a major rotational contributor or a rookie that has a lot of growth still in front of him. So I don't necessarily know that Darius Fountain is making it, but he made a case by hauling in a bunch of passes and looking pretty good at the catch point this week. Ain't no chance we're getting out of here on an offensive play. <laughs> no way, no how. We are coming back in. We're going to the cornerback room. Hmm. And guess what, guys? This is not just for Chiefs fans. This is for everybody that follows football. Go ahead and get out your little top ten, your top five cornerback charts. Go ahead and put Legarius Sneed's name right in the middle of that bad boy. So I tell you Should what, be. everything I've seen out of practice from this one game, he's ready. He's going to be there. He's going to take that next step. I don't think there's really that far to go to enter this conversation, but I have seen not a single thing that makes me worry that Legarius Sneed is not going to be an impact cornerback at the next level. When he plays on the outside, he looks excellent. When he's in the slot, we know how good he was last year as a blitzer, what he can do in the run game, how well he can run. He's been in camp running with Tyree Kill vertically down the field. Do you know how many cornerbacks can do that? Zero. None can do that. Legarius <laughs> Sneed does as good a job as anybody I've seen. You look at his press, that one rep where he jams the receiver, drifts out into his zone with his eyes on the flat the whole time. He essentially takes away both levels routes, drives down, makes a tackle. Legarius Sneed is going to have a huge season. It's going to be better than last year's, which was already great. He's going to enter the nationally known cornerback conversation this year. Kent, you take the middle one here because I can gush about everybody in this room. So I know who you're I, going. I know who you're going to go with. Do you? Do I'm you? writing okay. it down. Okay, you go. You go with it. I'm going to write it down. Have some integrity here, though. Can you talk about your guy while you write it down? Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to talk about DeAndre Baker, who had an outstanding performance in week one of the preseason. And he showed you a lot of different things that you want to see. You you saw him carrying vertically. Now, we were having a conversation about this in the DMs after. Because, you know, DeAndre Baker, not really known for long speed, carried vertically on who we found out later was Travis Benjamin, who is somehow in the National Football League still. But I don't care who it is. His ability to stay on top of a post was impressive because that's one of the question marks. Check a box there. Sinking underneath the throw and getting in the passing lane and making a really nice play in a near interception. Very impressive. A PBU on a slant, playing physical at the line of scrimmage. Really nice. There's a lot of positive signs for a guy who hasn't had a ton of opportunities to play in real-life situations. I'm not looking too much into when he was playing because this team needs him very clearly to be a part of the mix at some point in this year. Him and Mike Hughes both played well. You like what you're seeing out of your cornerback group. DeAndre Baker needs a little bit more work because he needs a little bit more time because he hasn't played. He hasn't played in the last year. He got one week or got half. I mean, it was really half a game. So this was good for him. I anticipate he's still going to continue to get more snaps, but you've got to love what you saw out of DeAndre Baker this week. And I think the thing that you have to really pay attention to there, Rashad Fenton appears to be the direct replacement for LeJarrius Sneed. When they went to the second team, Rashad Fenton was one of your two base cornerbacks, and then he kicked inside in the sub packages, a like-for-like -like switch. And then in that scenario where Rashad Fenton kicked inside, that's when DeAndre Baker came in. Mike Hughes did that exact same thing with the first team there. So pay attention to that. It does appear that Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker are playing the exact same rotations, no matter which lineup they are. So it is entirely feasible 
that those two, as the year goes along, if one of them's playing well, if one of them's not, it could be a like-for-like switch, and they don't have to make serious you know, overhauls to the secondary to try and change things with the way that they're running them. And, of course, Kent knows who I'm talking about. I'm talking about DiCaprio. Chris Lannins. Oh. <laughs> DiCaprio Boulay. Um Boodle. Showcase. Boodle. Bootleg. Whatever it is. You call Boodle. Bootleg. I called him bootleg. It's Boodle. <laughs> Listen, we all Where's that, that end button? Yeah, it's right up here. Let me hit it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> DiCaprio Boodle. He he looked uh he looked good. Uh rotating a little bit deep safety, playing a little bit in the slot. He got to play a little bit on the boundary as well, kind of like that third guy, you know, behind Legarius Sneed and Rashad Fenton. But I think the thing that really you should pay attention to is that he was getting early run with special teams. He was running with the ones yeah. in special teams. And that says something because Dave Tobe is going to get guys in there that he really wants to get featured and he wants to see how they look next to his other guys that he uh, they look. I, I don't expect that Boodle is going to be a major contributor on defense this year. I think that they actually have a lot of young pieces that can fill a lot of roles there, but he is a hard hitter. He's aggressive. He doesn't have great long speed, but he looks really good when he's playing downhill with things in front of him. That's a lot of the things that Steve Spagnuolo likes out of his cornerbacks. Those guys that can rotate deep to safety and, him getting those special team reps screams that there's something there. Now, he did get some reps with the ones today in practice. I'm not reading hardly anything into that. There's a lot of rotation there. I'm reading more into the fact that Dave Tobe was spending valuable, valuable, valuable preseason special team snaps on a guy that I think that we all thought probably wasn't making the roster. He might he have bounced up into that 53 momentarily here. Well, we're about to bounce up into the 53rd minute of this show if we're not careful. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Emprise Bank for all they've done to make this show possible. And we appreciate you all listening. Make sure you're checking everything going on on KC Sports Network. KCSN.substack.com. You can still get an entire year for $40 until September 1st. Make sure you're taking uh, advantage of that. We'll catch you later.